Yeah, welcome to the podcast, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, welcome to the podcast. Hi, podcast. Yeah, Hi, well, podcast. Yeah, welcome to our lives. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> A close examination. <laughs> so today... I'm just gonna lay here the whole time. Will's just gonna lay here the whole time. Oh, God, my body hurts. So he's probably not gonna be able to hear him very well. <laughs> my body's not ready. I'll just project. All right. All so right. we're gonna talk about games Maybe. that we played. Maybe. Probably. I don't know. Unless none of us have been playing games. Dude, I played a dope game. Did you? Well, then you can go first. After I talk about the fact that in our second segment, we'll be talking about James Bond Nightfire. Um, Specifically, I think the one we mostly played was the GameCube one. Correct. But there's not much difference between that and the PlayStation and the Xbox one. Were there virgin differences? In the PC, I guess. I was actually reading up on it. Weird. Yeah, but the Xbox, PlayStation, and GameCube all were the same. So, and the Game Boy Advance, I think, was different. Probably. Probably. They usually were back then. Yeah, so, uh, leading the charge and talking about their game today as well. Ah! Awesome! <laughs> Carry the banner. <laughs> I'm so excited. he spoke up on I'm the matter. <laughs> taking up the mantle, baby. Alright, let me... Oh, is, is it my turn? Yeah. Okay. That was your okay. intro. Okay. I'm blowing it. Unless you want, like, a John Cena song intro. So, interestingly enough that you mentioned that... Oh, God. Let me tell you the game that I've been playing, which is WWF Wrestling. Now, I talked about SmackDown vs. Raw uh, a couple weeks ago. This is a different game. This game's actually on the Sega Dreamcast. It is fucking terrible. (laughs) Oh my god, I forgot how bad it was. It's the Dreamcast. It was a game that I. It was a game that I had some good games, didn't it? Oh yeah, it had great games. Sega Bass Pro Fishing. Wasn't the Dreamcast the GameCube of the nineties? No, no way. All right, not even the GameCube (laughs) was the Wii U of the nineties. What you? The Wii U. Okay. The Ouya. So, well, no, it actually came out. It didn't get canceled. I think the, the Ouya, Ouya did come out. out. No, the Ouya <laughs> got canceled. Dead on arrival. Didn't even make it to the... DOA, baby. Didn't even make it to the store shelves. Oh, yeah. We're to Fetty Wap. The last console they put out didn't even make it out. Um, so, I had this game as a kid, and I have not played it in a million years, and I just grabbed it off my shelf and was like, Ooh, this big seems mistake. like it seems like a fun game to play. I remember having good times with this with my dad, and I was super wrong because it is You're super raw, raw. Did you say I'm super? Well, there's a lot of people from Raw, some from SmackDown. <laughs> What's the difference? Can just... you explain it to me? So SmackDown is it like DC versus Marvel? Yeah, kind of almost. <laughs> um, so the WWE, <laughs> yeah. the WWE is like the umbrella yeah. almost, and then there's SmackDown. Which is one side yeah, of it um, that has like a certain um, roster of wrestlers, certain and raw. then um, Raw, the other side, is just another roster of wrestlers, and they basically do it um, to kind of just like the same way the NFL's divided in the AFC and the NFC. You kind of like they do matchups and that sort of stuff based on the. It, it's pretty much divisions in any sport. Yeah. Um. And really, it's only there because obviously wrestling is just kind of staged entertainment. Um. They do it to kind of generate, you know, 
you know, feuds and, you know, hype. people not liking yeah, the drama. Other. Yeah, hype, exactly, right. Like, oh, somebody from Ross was talking about this person from SmackDown and then this, you know what I mean, that sort of stuff. And then there's a couple of people who are, like, unsigned and, like, end up, like, choosing between one or the other or they switch sides, that sort of stuff. Anyway, that's a general Heel idea turn. that. Exactly, heel turn. See, Jaeger knows. Jaeger knows all about this. <laughs> I'm in on wrestling this um, year. Yeah, I think some good, some good wrestling matches this year for sure. Um, so <laughs> I played this game and I went in with the expectations of the ridiculous SmackDown versus Raw shut your mouth game that my roommate has that we've been playing. Um, on, and that's on the PS2. And that is, I mean, it's, it's older. It doesn't look great, but it's not bad. It's playable. It's really in depth and it doesn't feel like, I feel like a lot of times games like this, it just, you kind of find one way to do it, and, like, that's all you do. And it like, almost just feels like we're, like, I don't even know. Will's sitting on the uh, counselor chair talking to us. I believe I'm laying. Yeah. Like, yeah, you guys are, like, Will's dual therapist. Yeah. <laughs> Tag team therapy. <laughs> you're, on, you're on the raw therapy, <laughs> and you're on the SmackDown therapy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um... Uh. So that honestly sounds like a situation that could possibly happen in a wrestling match. (laughs) We should pitch this for SummerSlam. (laughs) Um, So I started playing the Dreamcast one, and it's clunky, and (laughs) the graphics are god awful. How's the controller? The controller is. I vaguely remember it having a screen in the middle for like the memory card. Revolutionary. (laughs) Oh no, you're talking yeah, you're talking about the VMUs. No, the I love the the Dreamcast controller. Playing this wrestling game on the Dreamcast controller, (laughs) that is butt. That is no fun. It's just it's clunky and your character moves in this horrible, like strafe slash think it's like Resident Evil 4. That's literally how your character Tank moves controls. in, like, yeah, yeah. in, <laughs> like, a wrestling game. It's wrestling the weirdest game. thing. And the first thing I did was go straight into the settings and be like, okay, why is the set like this? How do I fix this? And <laughs> it was you, just Did like, you uncheck the butthole setting? <laughs> I was like, no, no make but. This not but. Um, so I looked on it, and there was, like, a couple ways to change the button scheme, but no way to change the movement scheme. It was just, like, butt one, yep. butt two. Welcome that to was ca- it. Welcome to gaming in the 90s. Oh, my God. It was fucking terrible. So that, the the, the graphics, or uh, the, the controls are really bad. I'll get that out of the way. The graphics are really bad. <laughs> and not just, like, right. because it's from <laughs> the same Dreamcast. the positives. Well, I'm sure I'll get there at some point. Not because it's on the Dreamcast, that's not the reason that the graphics are terrible. I mean, it is, but, like, I've seen better-looking games on the Dreamcast that came out before this game, and it just, it's painful. It's just, it's bad. It didn't age well, it's very, like, choppy, and everything is just, like, stiff, and, like, all of your characters at all times move like this. You know, that, like, real left, left, right, left, right, and then when they do a move, it's, like... Super telegraphed and like they move their leg and like kick or like whatever it is they're doing. Sounds like I'd love this game. So the graphics are bad. Um, the gameplay is bad. Um, the, the amount of moves that you have, they've obviously improved these games over the year. Cause like I was saying about SmackDown versus Raw, shut your mouth. That game had a shit ton of moves. 
and you could use them strategically. Like some moves, like and it, it didn't te- it didn't just tell you. You kind of had to figure it out. Some moves like worked really well in conjunction with other moves, and it didn't say like if you use this kind of move, use this kind of move. Like it was individual specific moves. So if like you did like a grab takedown. You could immediately couple that in with like a leg lock or something. And like the, the frames between doing like the takedown and doing the leg lock are much shorter than if you were just to do the takedown and then stand up and do like an elbow dive, if that makes sense. You can really quickly transition them into, you know, other moves. Again, let me be clear. This is SmackDown versus Raw on the PS2 that I'm talking about, which is what I was like kind of setting as the golden standard for these wrestling games. The Dreamcast game that I played is not like that at all. There's about 50 moves in the game. Maybe. Let's call it 100. I don't know. Maybe more. No, the SmackDown vs. Raw has probably 500, I want to say. Minimum. There's a lot. So, right. So the Dreamcast one... It's got, like, a less amount of moves, and really there's only, like, five of them you'll ever use, and one of them is an open palm bitch slap, and it's hilarious. Like a sumo slap? Oh, yeah. Yeah, straight to somebody's face. And that's kind of handy, because it's way overpowered, and it stuns your opponent, and you can literally beat an entire... You could probably beat the entire game by doing, like, slap, takedown, and then you get up, and then you do another slap... And you do another takedown. You could beat pretty much every opponent that way. Um, so from that kind of comes this whole, like, it's just not, like, worth it to ever use any of the other moves. I mean, you can, but, like, there's no real point to it. There's no... It doesn't feel like you need to. Like, as soon as you figure out that you can just slap people and use, like, one of the standard, like, move sets they give you to be... To beat the entire game? Like, what the hell else are you going to do? So that's kind of disappointing. Um, I honestly didn't really play the entire campaign. And not because I was too lazy, but because I just, like, didn't really like it. It wasn't that good. Um, speaking specifically on the storylines, it's, like, the most regurgitated standard WWE plotline you could ever imagine. Like... There's one guy, he's in charge of, like, a ring of guys, and they're all bad, and they're all in charge, and you're an upstart rookie, and you've got to, like, fight your way up to the top, and then eventually, I'm pretty sure you just, like, fight against, like, the superstar villain, and become, like, you know, the biggest, the like, the super face of the WWE, and, like, that's it. Pretty, pretty standard stuff, I would say. Um, so, so far, the controls are butt, graphics are butt. Gameplay is butt. The story was butt. Am I missing anything here? How is the music selection? The music selection is fucking dope. <laughs> it's so good. There's so there many good is. songs. There's so many awesome 90s songs on it. I have no idea how they got the like the rights to some of these things. <laughs> Maybe I'm really glad didn't. that you caught on to where I was going. Maybe back. they didn't. Well, I was like, yeah, it's one of those like wrestling slash racing games oh, that yeah. has to have a good no, soundtrack. Yeah, right? the soundtrack is the bomb. It's like the only <laughs> good thing about the entire game, in my opinion. 
It just, and I really tried to look at it in an overall objective manner because I didn't really have nostalgia glasses for it because I didn't play it a lot as a kid. I just kind of had it. Um, and I tried to remember my hardest that like, it was a Sega Dreamcast game. Like that is a million years old at this point. Like those games are so outdated and what we do now, let alone what we could play on the PS2 is, you know, miles and miles ahead of what it used to be. So I really did try to be fair to it and everything that I just said is what I came up with. It's just, it's not good. It's not a good game. It's not a classic. It's not so bad. It's good. You literally turn it on. Just plug in the red plug and the white plug. Listen to the music. Don't plug in the yellow one. Don't even pick up the controller. Just listen to the music. That is that is how I feel about that game. It was bad. And that's... I, I made my peace with it. I'm done. That's it. There you go. That's what I played. Nice. Fucking, it. fucking mostly sucked. So, Burke... I got to a cult classic recently that I'd never experienced before, which is the original Mass Effect. You? Is that a cult classic? I don't even know if it's old enough to be a cult classic at this point. It's like almost ten years. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh... I didn't really know anything about this game going into it. The only thing I know about the Mass Effect series is the whole thing that happened with the third ending. And I was actually reading up on that recently, and apparently there were, like, some lawsuits thrown at Bioware for the ending. Yeah, people really hated it. I didn't really know that. People were going to the lawsuits? FD- some, some people went to the FDT and were like, listen, they lied to us. They said we had a choice about the ending. And there was, like, a whole court case about it, apparently. Bioware ended up unscathed, but, uh, yeah. Some people are pretty crazy about it. A bunch of my friends always talk about it at work, so I decided I should play it. And the first game was not what I expected, really. So, when I think of Mass Effect, I think of, like, a first-person shooter meets RPG sort of thing. Third-person shooter. Third-person shooter meets RPG sort of thing. The first game's definitely way more RPG than third-person shooter. Like, it doesn't have elements that a shooter would. Like, there's no ammo. There's no reloading, which threw me off so many times. In fact, so I'm playing on the PC, and the R button in the PC one, which would normally be reload, is grenade. So as soon as I actually got into the the game, I threw off five grenades (laughs) before I realized that you don't have to reload your gun. Yeah, I mean, there's, like, there is ammo, but that's in the form of, like, a sort of gun upgrade. Like, you can attach it onto your gun. Uh, It's definitely more sort of, like using what abilities you have in your position to try and take out the enemy as opposed to just being armed to the teeth and gunning in there. I mean, the story, you can't really go too much into it. Basically, you play someone, whatever you put your first name is, Shepard. Commander Shepard, baby. His last name's always Shepard. He is... uh, I didn't realize like it was so customizable in the very beginning. Uh, So when it starts up, you can choose uh, one of six or eight classes that you can be. Uh, Some that specialize in weapons, some that specialize in something in the game called biotics, which are pretty much like psychic power sort of thing. There's tech, which obviously just uses technology that like disrupts shields, heals yourself. Uh, There's classes that mix the uh, two of them together, and there might be one that mixes all three. But the, the classes that mix get like a very 
um, general mix of the two. So the one I chose was Infiltrator. So the only weapons I That's could... That's what I played with. Really? Yeah. Only, my, my friend always talked about how the Commando... No, not the Commando. Uh, there was one that he said he, like, really, really enjoyed. It was basically shotguns and biotics. I forget what class it is. But, I know the one you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, so the one I chose, I could only train myself in pistols and snipers, which meant that I still could use assault, assault rifles and shotgun, but my accuracy was god-awful with them. So there was really no point. Uh, and on top of that, I could use tech, so like I said before, disrupt shields, heal, all that fun stuff. Outside of that, in the very beginning, you also pick your origin story. You have one of three options of where you originated from, and then you have another one of three options of how you became uh, known to people. The origin story I chose was Earthborn, which was essentially you're just some gangster that was taken from Earth and thrown on to space. And then the other one I chose was Soul Survivor, which was you were in like this horrible incident where like 50 people died and you were the only one that survived. Uh, and I didn't really think that had that much of an impact, but like those choices right there, but they like people will bring them up through conversations and stuff. There's actually some quests you get based off of which ones you choose. Um, but besides that, you're pretty much like a, a decently well-known space guy that... Commander Shepard. Decently, decently well-known, well-known space, space guy. guy. I mean, that's essentially what he is at the very beginning. Uh, who pretty much catches the eye of, like, the government of the unim... Well, the known universe of, um, called the console. Uh, they, they, uh, they are based on, like, this giant... I don't even know if it's a planet or a giant space station, but it's called the Citadel. And so they pretty much take you there and they're like, listen, we need you to help us. And you're like, all right. And that's pretty much where the story goes from there. <laughs> uh, one one interesting thing about this game is, uh, like most games nowadays, there's sort of like choices you can do in conversations. Especially with this game, you have... Uh, two sides, either the Paragon side, which is the good side, or the um, Renegade side, which is the bad side. And you uh, you can actually kind of alternate either way if you really want. But basically, if you have a lot of Renegade points, you get the ability to add more points into your Intimidate skill. If you have Paragon, you get the ability to add more points into your Charm skill. And those affect like conversations. Like, say you are... A standstill with one person, you could either intimidate them or charm them, and then the outcome will end in your favor, or someone will die, one of the two. The one issue I have with that, at least in the first game, is I feel like it's kind of hard to tell when you'll gain those points. Like, I had instances where I would... There was, like, a mission where some person betrayed someone, and then they betrayed someone else, so you had the option to either spare them or kill them, and I chose to kill them, and I didn't gain Renegade points for that. I didn't gain any points for that, which I thought was kind of weird. Uh, So that happened constantly throughout the first game for me. There's a bunch of options that I felt like should garner Renegade points. Well, I went Renegade. I'll just get that on the table. I went Renegade. So there are options that I feel like should have that didn't, and it was kind of weird. On top of that, I feel like the whole game in general is just kind of janky. 
<laughs> like it was really weird. It's a pretty good description I was honest, for how I felt. <laughs> I was honestly convinced this game came out early two thousands. Yeah. Like I thought it was like two thousand two, two thousand three. Did not realize it was two thousand seven. Basically the character models are really janky and sometimes they glitch out. The music glitched out on me a couple times. Their faces are weird sometimes too. They yeah. do some oh, weird facial yeah. expressions. Oh, especially when um they try and like it was always the eyelids for me. I don't know what it was. They always look yep. so strange. But besides that, even it, how it controls in general feels really janky too. Like, pretty much the game has two situations. You have like a regular standard comm situation where you're away from enemies, and then you have a sort of battle situation. And those two, you have sort of different controls from one another. So in battle situations, you can sprint. In regular situations, you can't. Um, regular situations, you can't crouch. Uh, and where this becomes a problem is if you're in a room with another enemy and you're too far away, the game doesn't recognize that. And so it won't let you, like, crouch or something. So it can be kind of annoying. Yeah. It just sort of took... The battles... The battling itself just took a while to get used to for me. I like how the exploration works in this game. You pretty much go to a giant map... That takes you to the galaxy or whatever, and from there you can go to different space clusters, and from there you can go to different systems. One, I was upset that you can't go to Earth. Well, you can, but you can't land on it. Two, you can only land on, like, one planet per system. Yep. Which was a little annoying. Uh, you can you can click on all the other ones and view them, but you can't land on them. I felt like a lot of times the planets felt pretty empty, too. The planets did feel pretty empty, and... The, uh, when you do land on a planet, you get put in this little rover thing, and the rover has tank controls, which is really annoying. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does. I forgot about that. So, that took me a long time tank to get used everywhere. to. Also, the rover, when you go over hills, decides that it's just going to fly wherever it feels like going, and just launches in every direction. So, hilly planets were, like, the bane of my existence. But... Honestly, overall, I kind of liked those rover parts, even though they were a little barren. Just kind of driving around the planets and seeing stuff. Some Thresher Maws or whatever. Uh, I, I actually talked to my friend about it, and, and I was like, yeah, I feel like a lot of people would probably complain about this, and it was probably a lot of work, so I feel like in the next game they probably just took it out and replaced it with a menu. My friend was like, yep, that's exactly what they did. So I've pretty much been talking about, like, complaints about the game so far, I guess. Some things I really like about the game is I feel like almost every main character, if not every character, is in some way likable. Yep. Uh, my favorite character ended up being Rex. Nice. Uh, it was funny because I used Rex and Liara. So every conversation was literally Rex was like, yo, kill him. And Liara's like, wait, no, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> like angel and devil. Yeah, <laughs> they were pretty much just arguing consistently. Yeah, uh, yeah. every main character is likable, I think. Well, every main character that should be likable. There's some real dicks. And you can argue some of like the story characters aren't really that great. But most people you run into is pretty good are pretty good. The dialogue, I think, is goes pretty well. Like, I enjoy the writing. Again, I complained about this with Fallout 4, but the dialogue doesn't really say, like, express what it's actually going to say. It's not 
as, like, not great as blank yes-no sarcasm. But it's, like, it's it'll say something, and if you click on that, Commander Shepard could say something completely different. And sometimes it's hard to tell how a situation will end up. Especially if you have someone angry at you. It's almost like sarcasm in Fallout 4. And you end up killing them. You don't really know exactly what's going to happen there. You just press that button and hope for the best. There is one mission that you can get pretty early on where you have to go to this one human who took a bunch of military people and kind of ran away with them. And you talk to him, and he ended up killing some military people because they tried to bring him back. And one of the options was, like, you killed these people. Uh, I don't remember. But basically, I didn't expect it, but I ended up shooting him in the face mid-cutscene. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, you can actually skip the cutscenes. Well, not skip them, but you can skip to the next spoken line. Pretty much I skipped, and his dead body was on the floor, and I said, well, what just happened? <laughs> so I ended up loading back and going through the whole thing without skipping, and... I guess you shoot him straight in the the dome, and his followers come in, and they're not very happy with you. That kind of goes into choices. Choices are a big part of this game, especially since choices that you choose carry over through all three games in the series. They do, which I think is super cool. I thought that was one of the coolest features of the, of the entire series. I haven't really been able to see it play out all that well, but I think it would be really cool if it affects quests and stuff. So far, I have gotten into um, Mass Effect 2, and they have referenced certain things. Like, in Mass Effect 2, in the very very beginning, they talk about how Commander Shepard doesn't like AI, and they mention a mission in Mass Effect 1 where I had to take out a rogue AI. And people over, like, the loudspeakers will mention events that happened in Mass Effect 1 and their outcome. Uh, it'd be really interesting to see if it affects, like, quests and stuff. Uh, one, it definitely affects characters, because there are some pretty tough choices you have to make in the very first one that actually directly affect plot points in the second two. Not exactly plot points, but, like, I guess main cast in a way. Um, and... There's essentially, I think, five big choices you have to make that carry over between the two games, being one and two. That's not counting, like, all the side missions and stuff, because I haven't really seen those yet, but... Yeah, making choices, especially, like, story choices, has been pretty tough for me, and that's kind of weird, because I've never actually had issues in a game like this, making choices... Especially since I went Renegade, there's some times where I was like, uh, maybe I shouldn't do this. And then, yeah. <laughs> and you shot him in the face. Yeah, essentially. But basically why I chose Renegade was because uh, my friend said that Renegade is just funny. Because Commander Shepard pretty much does whatever he wants. And in the first game, I asshole, didn't yeah. see that all that much. But I heard in Mass Effect 2 is where it really steps up the... Raises the bar, I guess, and shows yeah, Mass Effect Two is how just much a big step up from Mass Effect One in terms of quality. Yeah, when I I did start Mass Effect Two, um, real quick on Mass Effect One, I thought the main story was phenomenal. The characters, the the speech writing, and the story I thought was just mind blowing, uh, especially the last half of the main story. One, it's the, the main story itself isn't that long. It's probably like five quests that branch out into like overall ten miniature quests. Uh, so the main story itself is probably like 
five, six hours, but the whole drive of number one is like the side quests, which one big complaint I have is a lot of the side quests end up looking very samey. I don't know if you ever felt that, Will. Um, I do. I A lot of the quests, I you remember, end up going to bases that look the exact same as other bases Yeah, there's to. one that I can specifically think of that was a side quest that was on some planet somewhere. And I, rem- I can distinctly remember getting there, walking in, and being like, didn't I just fucking do this? Yeah. Like, I thought, like, my save file had gotten They have, like, or five or six preset bases that they just cycle through. Yeah. I think of the positives really do outweigh a lot of the negatives in it. The, the strong cast is really what I always took away. It's my favorite part of Mass oh, yeah. Effect. Certainly. Uh, so far, I've dived a little bit into number two. It definitely seems more shooter-oriented, less RPG. Two is definitely more combat-related. Yeah. More combat uh, you won't, As far as I can tell, I only have, like, five things I can upgrade between level-ups. I don't know if that increases. At all, as opposed to remember, as opposed to the yeah, you get, you get some more stuff. As opposed to like the ten or twelve <clears throat> that you could in the first one. In this one, they allow you to use all weapons. Uh, there's no like upgrading weapons. There's just a general like upgrade weapon damage, but no like specific weapons. Right. And I, the people I've met so far, I honestly don't really enjoy the main cast that much. <laughs> I mean, I'm only on, like, the second main story mission in, but, like, the three... Yeah, give it some four, time. The four people I've recruited, not really fans of. But we'll see. The The writing definitely, I think, got even better than it already was. Uh, like, there's one point, like, I usually don't really laugh at video games, but this got a sensible chuckle at me. Basically, some person's Only trying a to sensible chuckle. Yeah, some person's trying to get into like in a uh, quarantined area, and uh, the guard's not letting her through. And Commander Shepard comes up, and he, I did the intimidator, whatever. I was like, either I walk through here or I walk through you or something. He's like, okay, okay, fine. And the lady's like, hey, well, how come he can go in and I can't? And the the guard's like, because you don't have a grenade launcher attached to your bed. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, Sound, I, it sounds like it warranted a sensible chuckle. Yeah, it was quite the sensible chuckle. Uh, would, I, you, would you call it a chortle that you had? I don't know if I'd go that far. Oh, okay. Uh, but I feel like the voice acting definitely got better. The combat's more fluid. Yeah. yeah. So I guess we'll see where it goes from there. Sweet. It's... <clears throat> I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence about how the main story is going to go, because it's going to have to be pretty intense to match how the first one went. It is. Is it? Okay. I don't want to, like, obviously, I don't don't want to give anything away. Because, like, I don't... So, both of you have played Mass Effect? Yep. Oh, okay. I thought you said you didn't. Um, No, I didn't. But the the very end bit of Mass (laughs) Effect 1, I thought, was just so ridiculous. Which... Did you guys do Paragon, or... Renegade. Mine was Paragon. been a while. Yeah, yeah, I did Paragon the first time. Though. Uh, have you ever done Renegade? I know what happens. No, I don't know if the last battle's the same, but the last battle for me was like just the lead up to it, and then the continued battle was just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Um, one of my biggest concerns about this series is going to be Mass Effect Three. I looked it up, not the same writer, which already throws red flags in my face. I imagine EA had more control over this than they had over 2, maybe, because it was pretty fresh when EA got number 2. 
It would also explain why Three's ending was so terrible because Three is probably a lot of fiddle with it. Three's ending ha- is notoriously bad, and also I've already bought it once and still don't own it. Oh yeah, <laughs> Burke bought like, the Wii U edition from GameStop with for it. like five dollars. I got home, opened that sucker up, no disc. Went back <laughs> to GameStop and they said, "Uh, sorry." <laughs> cool. It's a good game. Yeah, definitely. Just funny because I also played a Bioware game this week. Sonic Dark Brother. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I played Star Wars: Knights of the Old Republic. Oh, gotcha. the first one. It's actually I, done by the same writer. Yeah, it's a good, really good writing. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of the writing's kind of plagued by like really old, uh, you know. Like 3D RPG tropes, kind of, or like Good. the very first lines of dialogue are like, use the action command to blah, 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 blah. And it's like, oh, fully voice acted tutorials from a real character. That takes me out of it. I <laughs> <laughs> can't wait till it happens in Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, so that was kind of weird. Anyway, so how was Knights of the Old Republic? Um, it was good. Honestly, I only played about. I want to say like a grand total of maybe an hour of it, mm-hmm. but I really don't have anything else to talk about. <laughs> so I will say you that you get like, to choose straight off the bat. Yeah, yeah, I think I remember. You get to choose whether you want to be a Sith or a Jedi. You don't get to choose right away. So oh, you, I thought you, you, there is a patch that lets you though. But, uh, I thought for some reason I thought you did, and it depends where you start. Uh, I, I do want to say like before I even started the game. Well, I started the game and then. I spent two hours trying to get this patch to work that I wanted to put over it, like a restoration patch that put in like a, a bunch of DLC that you can't, you don't have access to anymore. Oh, uh, that's weird. Like from back in the day and like quests you can't, that aren't in there. And it also unlocks like some difficulties, but I'm just playing a normal. Um, and it kind of makes it less janky because it is not the most user-friendly <laughs> thing for PC. Nice. I was very tempted, like, I think an hour into trying to get the patch to work just to order the Xbox version. When did that even come out? 2003, maybe? Okay. Four? I had maybe later than that. I don't, know. I don't remember. I have no idea. That's the first game that kind of put Bioware on the map for me. You got killed by the Rancor? No, I haven't gotten very far at all. But yeah, it's, you know, there's not too much to talk about because everyone pretty much knows what it is. I'm... I don't really feel like I need to talk about like what it is. Um, but what it do? Yeah, I was just looking for a good Star Wars game to play, and I really I'm more of a fan of like the narratively driven Star Wars games than the action ones. Because to me, Star Wars was always just about like what made it cool to me was like the worlds and the universe and the characters. I mean, I love a good lightsaber fight too, but like that's not really what the originals were about because they couldn't really do crazy high action stuff right, back then. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the combat's not flashy whatsoever. <laughs> and right off the bat, um, you can, it, it's just, it's really weird to like go back and see like people just fighting with swords in the beginning who aren't <laughs> Jedi. Cause that's how you train to use a lightsaber with a sword like first. swords. Yeah. That makes sense. And I like guess. the evil, and it's like, this is like during like the war. So when there's like a shit ton of Sith running around, not just two, um, so, like, there's no stormtroopers, there's no clone troopers. It's, like, these chrome-ass-looking dudes that just look really silly. Um, but, yeah. 
That's that's pretty much what I've been playing. It, I, I'm enjoying it so far. This uh, it's like good Bioware writing. Um, I've never played it before. I've only played the sequel, so I kind of know what I'm is getting that, into. I thought is number two like not great. Number two is awesome. Oh, okay. I mean, I like it, but I don't know what the consensus is on it. Honestly, um, yeah, it's it's fun, but yeah, it's really janky. I've experienced a lot of problems already. Where like I'll come out of a, I'll come out of like searching or looting a body, and then I can't move forward, and I have to literally save and then reload my save or restart the game to get me moving again, or switch characters if I have someone in my party and switch back. Like it uses like WASD, yeah, and like when I get out of a battle. I can only pan the camera with left and right, but I can't move forward at all. Uh, and the only way, unless there's something like a context sensitive, like if there's a door and you know how you can click on the door to like make your character auto walk over to it and hack it to open it. That's the only way I could break out of it. But yeah. Game's cool so far. I, it does present you with some like cool options in the beginning where if there's like a lot of stats you can, put yourself into you can decide if you want to become like a range guy uses blasters sword guy you can do a little bit of both this even presents you um two options to kill like a room of dudes in the beginning where you can either hack this robot to like get in there and just mow them down and so if you go around that path you're kind of more into like hacking and like restoring old droids and stuff or you can go like a more stealthy route where you just you take out the cameras and you distract them to sneak around. Um, yeah. Thank you, good sir. It's pretty. It's pretty good. I like it, and I hope that the future of me playing it is not as janky. So that does kind of take me out of it and <laughs> kills my motivation to play it. I don't remember what I named myself, but it was really stupid. Yeah, that's pretty much what I've been playing. I don't really have. I haven't really played anything else new. I I beat Dying Light, and the ending was like pretty much exactly what I thought it was going to be. So I was pretty dumb. Um, I started the expansion. It's already immediately way cooler because it takes place not in the city but in like a farmland, mm -hmm. and you have like this sweet uh, like dune buggy that you can just ram like ram into zombies with. And there's also like a more interesting bandit. Or like organization that you that are antagonists than they were in the real game. So yeah, but like after just playing the game for like twenty plus hours, kind of just killed my motivation to play it after how lackluster the main, main campaign was. <laughs> right. So maybe I'll jump into it eventually later, but yeah, not right now. But yeah, future plans for games? I don't know. I want to buy. I want to buy Doom. But I kind of want to wait till it comes down price, maybe in like half a year or something. Maybe when the Steam sale comes out in two weeks. Yeah, Steam summer sale. Yeah, dude, Not to be a lot of fucking. Dollars. I literally so my birthday was the other day, obviously. So my mom was like, "What do you want?" And I was like, "I don't care." And then like the night of the thirtieth, I was like, "Shit, the Steam summer sales in a month." So I asked her for a Steam gift card. Did she get you one? Yeah. Smart move. I expected like a $20 one. She got me like a $50 nice. one. Nice. So. Stepping up, Mom. Yep. Mom's got game. Yeah, man. Um, yeah. EA Sports. 
It's in the uh, game. I think I'm going to try also. I I uh, installed Witcher 1, because mm-hmm. I want to get into that series. I do too. So I'm going to start playing Witcher. I have all three, and yet I'm not playing any. I have two. I really wanted to play I think them it was, I, I think it was like the, the first one. I think I it was like the Mass Effect syndrome for me where it was like I didn't want to play because I knew I'd have to play all of them back to back. Yeah, you And the Witcher just, are like, like known for being like 50, 60 plus hour yeah. games. Because Witcher 3 was on sale this week for like 50% off, but I didn't buy it because I know how long the games I own, are. I want to get through the first two before I even consider buying the third one. I own like almost every... Well, I own the... the I think the three most well-known digital media sources... Because of The Witcher 3 and Biosh or Mass Effect 3. Because I got The Witcher 3 free with my graphics card. And they gave me the code that only works on GOG gaming. Or GOG games or whatever. Yeah. You can actually... something Some sort of patch came out this week for GOG. Mm-hmm. And you can import some of your Steam games on there. I don't know if it's vice versa though. Right. It's pretty cool though. Yeah, I'm gonna try to play The Witcher. Started, and I also Greg played The Witcher too, but only two. Yeah, well, it's I mean, Why? well, <laughs> it's kind of weird. A lot of people did that actually because Witcher One never came to consoles. Gotcha. Witcher Two is the first one that came to. Xbox well, that, yeah. that does make more sense now that you say. But it. he played on PC. Uh, well, Greg's a loser. No, nah, I don't know. I think it was Let because, be like, known. I think he heard like before number three came out, he heard that it was mad good, so he just like played it. Gotcha. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Besides that, I don't know what else is on the horizon. Uh, E3. Yeah. But we'll oh probably talk God. about that next podcast. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of what I was figuring. Because it's probably going to be either next week or the week after. Yeah. Probably. Nintendo just announced, well, they didn't just announce, well, they kind of clarified today that they are talking about more than just Zelda, Zelda Yeah. which is kind of a relief. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Because I want to know more about a new Monster Hunter. And actually, that's pretty much it. Oh no, I want to know more about um, Tokyo Mirage Sessions. I'm probably gonna get that game pretty early on because yeah, it comes out in like two, yeah. three weeks, doesn't it? Yeah, it comes out at the end of June. Yeah, and I'm a big Persona fan, or at least Persona three and four, and Fire Emblem. So I'm really excited for that. And it might be the last good, like it's like the last Wii U game I really know of that I would get. Like, are there any other big Wii U games coming up on the horizon besides Zelda? Paper Jam. No, sorry. Oh, fucking Color Splash. Splash yeah. <laughs> Don't even get me started on that. They didn't even put on the list of games they're talking about. Oh, <laughs> rip Paper Mario. It's um, so dead. It's so... The dream is over. I'm so mad about that. Nah, it's Nintendo's swan song. The, what? the Wii U swan song. <laughs> A perfect fucking example. Is there any other? Are there are there any other Wii U uh, games? Not that I remember, but let me look it up. Good. I type in Wii U. The first thing that comes up is Mass Effect Three. <laughs> it's like it's trying to kill me. What about 3DS? I know there's some things to look forward to. Uh, there's yeah, Sun and Moon, obviously. Yeah. There's a new Kirby game. I don't remember if that's already out or not. Not yet. There's Federation Force. Oh, there's Mario and Sonic at the Rio 2016 game. Yeah, there's that. For the Wii U. 
talk about James Bond. Welcome back, everyone. Oh, wait, I played James Pond. <laughs> oh, what? You, you played like, Jimmy Pond. I no. played Gex. What was that game even for? <laughs> wow. I had forgotten that Gex was even a video game. It's coming back. That was fucking Gex. Isn't it Idios? Yeah, it is. Was it? Yeah. I actually played that game. Me, Me too. too. <laughs> game Boy. So, change of plans, we're just going to talk about Gex instead. Dude, James Gex Pond is so for bad. the Sega Genesis. What? About a frog. Man. An undercover frog That's spy. a real game. You didn't know that? Yeah, I thought we no. seen it at Game Craze together. That's a real life game. Oh, you're right. <laughs> I suppressed it. Oh, man. So, James Bond's a cool guy. James, James Bond, Bond, Night Fire. James Bond. Alright, so... I think I have the least knowledge of James Bond in the group. To the point where I thought this game is based off a movie. <laughs> it's not. No. Yeah. It's not, shockingly enough. I mean, I could see why you'd think that if you were an outsider. Yeah. A James Bond outsider. So. Starting I mean, off, honestly, I don't really know that that much about James Bond. I didn't really... I've only seen, like, two or three of the old movies, but I have seen all the new ones. Oh, besides whatever the newest newest one was called. Uh, Born Supremacy? I heard it wasn't that great, so I didn't see it. It was pretty good. I liked it. Spectre. So, Spectre. So this isn't Spectre, though. No. We're talking about GameCube. We're talking about PlayStation 2. I would like to input before we start this. Input. Unlike Burke and Jaeger here. Oh, yeah. I have, like, a massive amount of knowledge Yeah, I remember you used to watch all the movies yes. and play all the games. Yes. Will I'm... suggested we play this game. Yeah, because I love James Bond a whole lot. Yes. So, I read somewhere that this is a sequel to... What was the one that came before? You're this? looking for Agent Under Fire? Agent yeah. Under Fire. Agent yes, Under it Fire. is a sequel, yeah. yeah. Is it, like, a direct sequel? No. Okay. It's not. I didn't think so. It's more of just, I, like, I the next game reference. in the series yeah, okay. with Pierce Brosnan, and that's about it. Yeah. Yep. It's like any James Bond movie within a character. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the same way that, like, I don't know, Goldfinger is, like, a sequel to Dr. No, but, like, they're not really that related. The only same James thing Bond. is, like, it's just an adventure James Bond and James Q, Bond. and... Right, exactly. Yeah, so... Story. Story. Some dude wants to take over the world. Done. He does. <laughs> he does. Kidding. P- pretty sure his name is just currently famous Canadian-born rapper Drake. Drake. His yeah. name is literally just Drake. I don't remember him having a last name. Nope. Nope. <laughs> if he Drake. did, it'd probably be Aubrey Graham. <laughs> it's just Drake's real You know, never mind. Classic Drake. Now we so, get it. Oh, it's classic pouring, Drake. We're pouring right. the Drakes too hard. Yeah, I listened to Drake while playing this game. I want to buy you a Drake. Uh, so anyways, Drake. He's wow. a bad dude. Billionaire. Kinda looks like my dad. Sort of looks like Will's dad. <laughs> Always thought that he kinda looked like my dad. A and my dad, guy. My dad was in Don't good shape. Don't remember what race, no nationality he is. Uh, I think he's just British. British. Yeah. yeah just British you know, nationality. Of course, yeah. <laughs> We're all evil. Uh, so he's some evil dude that wants to take over the world. He does. And that is his goal. That is, yeah. Pretty standard James Bond. He's a decently well known James evil British man. James, well, <laughs> I don't know how well known. I don't know his Not reputation. Decently. I don't know his reputation. He's got to be at least decently because he hosts parties and stuff. He does. He hosts big fancy hey, parties like any evil British guy would. <laughs> yeah. 
Any evil European, they love parties. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, they, they gotta hide the love fact. parties. They That's gotta, their jam. They gotta hide the fact that they got some secret shit going on underneath. Oh well, duh. Every you gotta host a big party if you're gonna do some subversive shit underneath the party. You couldn't just do the subversive shit, subversive shit like you know normally during the middle of the day during well, you the weekday during your nine to party. five. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like you could just do it like during your nine to five. You don't have to have a party, party yeah. or you could just do it Saturday night. But like, don't have it's a party. The, it's just to have like a good reputation, so people are like, that guy can't be evil. He you know? throws parties yeah. every week. <laughs> Hmm, we've got this flawless plan where nobody can get in and we can work on all of our, like, secret evil plans unless we host a party in which James Bond can sneak into. Yeah, so... We're really hammering on standard James Bond. I don't remember where the chick comes into play. I think she might be the secret operative. The first chick. Dominique. Dominique. Yeah, so she is French intelligence. Okay. And she's also planted at the party the way that you are. I was more thinking the very first scene where you're trying to save her from the, the... the very first level. Oh, the uh, the helicopter. Yeah. yeah. So the game opens up with a game mechanic that actually is never used for the rest of the game, which is basically a turret section, I guess, if you want to call it. Yeah. You're in a helicopter. You get a sniper rifle, sniper and you are chasing um, Dominique, who is this French uh, French intelligence agent. Um, who is driving the sweetest of sweet Shelby Cobras down the streets of Paris and getting chased by your real standard henchmen in black armored uh, SUVs and uh, sedans shooting out the window at her recklessly. So you have to... um, The police are nowhere to be found. Right, you have to kind of defend her um, as you're going. And uh, that's kind of how the game starts. And it's actually... um, it's very similar to how Bond movies start, which is where they have, like, every Bond movie starts with James Bond doing, like, a mission. And sometimes it's, like, the older ones, the Sean Connery ones, and even some of the Roger Moore ones, they... So the first 15 minutes of the movie or so, 10 minutes of the movie, is usually a big, ridiculous, you know, action sequence or mission that James Bond is on. And then when he get when he, you know, successfully cl- completes the mission, he gets back to uh, MI6. And then they say, okay, you know, this is not, now we're into the plot of the movie. I don't yeah. know why it's always been a tradition, but it is. And more modern movies have shown, have done that this first 10, 15 minute sequence of James Bond on a seemingly unrelated mission to the entire movie's plot is now, they've kind of woke woven it in like James Bond was doing something that was kind of a preliminary step or part of the overall right. mission. Um, and that's obviously kind of what this is. That's what it's supposed to be. It's a, you know, it's the first 10, 15 minute section. Um, but it is related cause you're helping out Dominique. Um, yeah. At the beginning. So. Yep. That happens. There's that. Yeah. I love that. that second level though. Yeah, so one thing I want to mention, <clears throat> one thing that's really unique about this game is that you obviously are free to do whatever you want, but certain choices you make are deemed worthy of, like, Bond choices. Bond moves. Bond moves, they're called. I guess is the technical and they term. they are dope. They're uh, they're as dope as a 90s WWF wrestling game soundtrack. Basically, <laughs> essentially, whatever the game deems something that James Bond would do, you get... A little dan dan with like a flashing metal on your screen. Right. It's kind of a, it, like an in-level achievement, <laughs> basically. I'm trying to think of a good, like, parallel to it. Basically, it's a, um, if that's, 
there's two, maybe three bond moves per level, and to get like the highest score possible on the level, you have to get all the bond moves. Yeah, and they're so, usually something like instead of just like going up to the first guard you see and shooting him in the face, there's all sorts of little different ones, little things that you can do. Um, the one example I can think of is in the very first level, you have the option. Um, she's going off of a ramp. Oh, oh, in the first, the yeah, first yeah, yeah. level. Okay, she's going off of a ramp. That is essentially just a cement block attached to a crane, and you can either shoot the two guys behind her, or you can shoot the, the like, joint of the crane. Not the joint, but whatever is holding the cement block up. Pulley. Pulley? Yeah, pulley, I guess. The weak point of the pulley. So then it just drops after she goes off, and then so the, the other two just... chase her, just drive right off, off the and, cliff. Yeah, yeah, go off a cliff and blow up. Yep. Um, there's one in the second level, one, uh, in the second level that always sticks with me. You, um, you can go in through the front door. Yeah, that, I was just thinking that one. And kick that in and just, like, go to town on everybody. Or, as you get to the front door, if you look to your left, uh, cause you kind of walk up this little, like, driveway up to this big, up to Drake's castle here. Yeah. It's definitely in the six, for sure. Um, and you get there, you look to your left, and there's, like, another little path that you can follow, and you go all the way around this path, and there's a few more guards, um, but you end up coming in on a much better, like, tactical route to where you want to get to. So think of it like, you can go through the front door, that's a straight line to the end of the mission, or you can go through this, which is more of a curved direction, but you end up at the same place, and it, like, allows you to kind of see a different part of the level, and a lot of the Bond moves are great for replayability, I think. I, um, that's interesting. The one I was thinking of was, I thought you got a Bond move for waiting for the guard, so if you wait a little while, a truck will come up, and yep, the guard that's gets another. out. Okay, so that must be, you have you have two different options there, then. But basically the same thing, you can go on through the front door, you can go around the side, or you can wait for this truck to come up, wait for the driver to get out, go hand the guy his uh, his paperwork to get in, and then you sneak onto the back of the truck, like stow away in the supply. Right, and then that crates. drives you to the truck depot, which yep. again is not where the first one leads you to. But that one allows you to... Um, it starts you, like, midway through the map. Right. It gives, you, again, gives you a much better spot. tactical spot to kind of navigate your way through yep. the map. Yep. Yeah. That's Bond moves. They're in, like, every level. They are, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you don't get anything from unlocking them, do you? I like so. I didn't think so either. There's, um, there's a couple different types of levels, too. Most of the levels yeah. are... You're first-person shooter, you're on the ground, you're James Bond, you're doing your thing. Um, and then there's a couple car levels, too. I, I was going to say, I think that's a strong point of this game, is that it mixes up levels pretty effectively. Uh, there's a middle portion where you have three of the same and then two of the same back-to-back, but besides that, it's pretty much like alternates between different levels. Yeah, there's uh, some cool car levels driving the... It's a Aston Martin V12 Vanquish. Mm-hmm. Um, which I always thought was a super cool car. Uh, so getting to drive that in a video game, I always thought was yeah. dope. And it's got the the machine guns come out of the hood, yeah. and you got rockets, and the you got your I honestly, oil slick. oh, the oil slick, always a classic. The smoke um, screen. That one level with the uh, where you're driving through the snow in the uh, in yeah, the, that was another car. thing. That's like a sort of take on their like turret section. It's like a mobile turret section where, again, things pass you that you can hit to achieve bond moves. Like, in that one, there's, like, a little outpost, and if you, instead of shooting all the people in the outpost, 
you shoot the gas tank at the bottom oh, of yeah, the... Oh, yeah, the whole thing just goes well, up. Well, no, no, you shoot the gas tank at the bottom of the tower, and the tower falls yeah. onto the outpost and kills everyone in it. So... Yeah, I thought I thought the driving sections were really fun. Yeah. I mean, for, that for driving sections out. in a first-person shooter game, like, I feel like you normally would be like, okay, whatever, just get through this part. But, like, it's fun. Like, yeah. you drive, and it's not just on the road. Like, you end up in, like, different places. Um, I know one of the later levels, the Aston Martin turns into a fucking submarine. Yeah. Do which you wanna, is dope. Do you want to, like, go through the levels and just talk about them a little one at a sure. time? So, yeah, we talked sure. about the first one. The first sort of one, which was a sniper. Yep. Sort of turd ass. The second one's the uh, sneaking into the party. Yeah. It's a, it's actually a sort of half and half sort of thing where you sneak into the party and then you're sort of covert James Bond, all suit and tuck sort of thing. Where yeah. So you, you're in a tux, you get, you get your, uh, oh, that was the one thing that I meant to, meant to mention in the beginning. You've got your weapons. Um, you know, you get, you get a PP7. Yeah, you get yeah. a PP7, which is kind of James Bond's original gun. And you can pick up different guns, and it's, you know, your standard first-person shooter. Shotguns. Shotguns, machine guns, that sort of stuff. But what's cool is that you have another set of options, of tools, like a laser on your watch. Yeah. Um, you have sunglasses. Stun, stun that, gun in your keys. St- oh, the stun gun in your keys. Always <laughs> dope. Um, you've got, like, night vision and uh, thermal vision and a pair of sunglasses you can put on. Um so you kind of get the full, like, classic James Bond experience with all these, like, little gadgets. And they're all very, very James Bond. Oh, like yeah. a laser watch. Like, oh, it's yeah. very, um, they clearly, like, were, they clearly loved, like, the original James Bonds. And even though it's Pierce Brosnan, who does do all the voice acting, uh, for the game, he, uh, it's clearly a little bit more inspired by the originals, I always gotcha. thought. Um, so, yeah, so you sneak into the party, and then you uh, meet up with Dominique. She tells you about some shit, and then you sneak out. Well, you don't sneak out. You kind of blow your yeah, way out of that they, place. Yeah, they kind of figure end. you out, and then... Yeah. Um, what's the level after that is the... Uh, it's the turret level you're talking about. Oh, snow, yeah, the driving car in the snow, yep. Yep. You hop on a snowmobile in that one? Yep, you do. You start out in a snowmobile. Oh, yeah. That's She's it. driving yeah, you yeah, on yeah, the yeah. gun. That's right. Yep, I remember now. Um, and then after the snow level, driving level is, it's going to be hard to talk about every level. We can't remember. I want to say it's the one where you start in the Japanese village. It is. Yes. Yep. Um, that one's pretty standard. All right. Oh, okay. So mission four, which is the one we messed up, was the first car one that you mentioned before. Right. You got to outrun the cars that are chasing you to meet. Q at a certain point to mm-hmm. pick up some gadgets and stuff. Yep. Uh, that one's pretty standard. I mean, it's like the first car level, so... Nothing special. Oh. Although driving that car is fun. It's alright. And then number five is the um, the Japanese level. You yep. start out, you're talking to some guy that has... Some guy. ...defected from Drake's organization. Yep. Doesn't like his raps anymore. So... Um, yeah, didn't didn't think that Views from the Six was that good an album. Yeah. It's overrated, so he's defecting. Yeah, so you you help him out, he goes to his underground bunker. That level's pretty alright. Very atmospheric with all of the uh the Japanese ponds and the bathhouses and the yeah. 
saving women and then making out with them. That's that's <laughs> kind of a, uh, <laughs> that's kind of another. Um, it's just funny because like he's like, yes, I have two servants. I need you to save them, and you save them. And they're like, James Bond, you're so hot, and they like make out with you on spot. Oh yeah, after you save them. Um, that's I feel like that's obviously the womanizing too, but the oh, um, yeah. the like exotic <laughs> locales. Those more recent James Bond movies. Yeah, the exotic locales. I feel like is another very. Standard yeah, trope of James Bond. Right, you go all over the world. You're in Russia. You're in Bulgaria, wherever that one is. You get to go to Japan. You know all these different places. And I think they do do a really good job of like making you feel like you're where you are. Um, there is a in that level the Bond move in one of the Bond moves in that level. I actually don't really know. To I be completely honest. I do. So you know when you go outside um, towards the end and you go into the big garden and it's got yeah. like the little creek I running exactly through what it. You're talking about yeah. Yeah. So you know the bridge yeah. that that guy's standing on. If you go out there without alerting anybody, go directly underneath the bridge, like get in the water, swim underneath the bridge while he's standing on it, and aim your gun up with a with a suppressor on it and shoot the guy in the dick. That's a bond move. Interesting. That's a real life thing. Mm-hmm. Bond loves dick shots. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. <laughs> I have nothing to say. Uh, after that, I think, is one of my more favorite levels, which is uh, you start in, like, Drake's business um, tower, I guess. Yeah. His, like, personal skyscraper where his business is stationed, and you have to sort of infiltrate in without the guards catching you. Yep. And you can punch them out or stun them or... Stunning them's the bomb. Because they do that ridiculous, like, seizure yeah, thing. They do. And then they just crumple into a little hole. I, I like just punching them because they're like, hey, stop. And you just walk over and you're like, Ooh. Hit them once. It's oh, like, and it makes the like most stop sound. Yeah. It's like, whoosh. <laughs> yeah. It literally makes that noise when you hit them. And they're like, oh! Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> it is kind of dope that your keys are the... Uh... Are a taser. Yeah. Your Aston that's, that's the one taser. where you get the uh, Q worm. It's, I don't, it's Oh, like, it's a card. Yeah, it's a card that opens up to a disc. Yeah. To put into the computer. Yep. Yeah, that, that one's like an all stealth level. Yeah. Like, yep. You gotta just creep around that You can't shit. get caught. I yeah, think, if you get caught, it fails the yeah, mission. Yeah, okay. that's what I thought. It fails the mission. It does. And that's not the one where you get the, no, sorry. Uh, and you, you have like, uh, your glasses to see infrared scanners yep. yeah. and lasers or whatever. That one's pretty cool. After that's probably my least favorite level, which is uh, you are sniping in a research facility. It's all like brown and green shit. The only cool part about that is that at one point you get to operate a giant laser. Oh, yeah. No, I know that when you're done. So about. you start yeah, yeah, out, totally you're like kind of on like that. an outpost, yeah. and you have to sneak into a research facility. I really don't yeah. like that one. It's no good. You start. It's like I don't know if you start out with any weapons besides the sniper rifle, and the first like no, three or four minutes, the tactical sniper. You sniping people that are also trying to snipe you. Yeah. Uh, the laser part's pretty cool though, because it's sort of like a turret section where like a bunch of people. It's sort of like the Wolverine section in Wolverine Revenge, where you have to blow up a door while people are running at you. Mm, sounds like a sounds like a fun time. Yeah. When you compare anything to <laughs> to Wolverine's Revenge, I think that's the next game we got to play. Uh, number eight. Oh, number eight. You go back to the uh, the business tower. 
Yeah. And that's the one where you meet you, the you Australian get, chick, right? I, yeah, you, I meet, don't her, know, you meet her at the end of that one. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, that yeah, red right. car crashes yep. through the door. Basically, you get... Uh, I don't remember. Basically, you get caught and you have to fight your way back down the tower. And that's the first one where you get the briefcase turret. The Ronin? Yeah. The yeah, Ronin. no, it's literally a briefcase that you set down. It opens up and there's like a mini chain gun attached right in the middle of the briefcase, like on a swivel. And it just really cuts through people. Yeah. You can yeah. also control it, too. Yeah, you can. Which is cool. You go into, like, a little control mode, you switch back to the Ronin, you can kind of, like, use it, um, kind of like in Aliens, how they've got, like, the remote control turrets. It's I feel yeah. like it's pretty similar to that that bit. Yep. Uh, number nine is you Mighty. are, yep, Mighty number nine is you are on, it's Delayed another, again, just now. It's another car mission. You're riding around, I think, maybe it's Australia, but you're driving around on, like, Drake's like personal Max island. all of a sudden. <laughs> you're driving around on Drake's personal island trying to destroy uh, radars and sensors and all that fun stuff. Yep. That one's pretty alright. Uh, I, I remember not really liking that one all that much, honestly. I'm not, I don't remember. I don't, I think I like the first driving one better. And then after that's probably my favorite level level. Standard level being you have to go through Drake's personal bunker and take out all of the henchmen. You fight like his big bad sort of thing, which are humans that are essentially bullet sponges somehow. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, he has the two henchmen that pretty much take like eight rockets to the face. But besides yeah. that, his like standard people are like pushovers. Yeah, there's uh, and the crazy ninjas. Um, there's the, the bad guy Rook. I'm thinking, yeah, Rook. And Rook can literally take a yeah. rocket launcher directly to his scalp and, like, is just all right. Yeah. He just same, keeps same it with, rolling. No flinch, his, uh, nothing. He just gets hit and it's like, yeah. Same all with, right. Same with the Japanese hench lady that you don't even kill yourself. No, and I don't remember her name. I don't remember her name either. But that one's pretty cool because you can do it stealthily or you can do it full force. Mm -hmm. uh, it's hard to do stealthily. Obviously, full force, people, you sound the alarms and people are going to continuously run at you. Yeah, you, you have that kind of intense fight. I think it's, yeah, it's a countdown fight because you are launching a rocket up and you're fighting the uh, Japanese lady at the same time and you have to beat her before the countdown. Oh yeah, so the entire plot of this game is that Drake is taking over the world, which we didn't really explain how he's doing that other than record sales. Um, he is got a space station that he's yep. um created yep. yeah he built the space station um and it's got nuclear weapons on it yep it's a mobile nuclear space station launcher yep. pretty sure ronald reagan invented it um but <laughs> drake's star? built it yeah no it's basically a death star um, just imagine like the Death Star with a big Drake face. When it opens up. <laughs> it's just Drake's head. Hotline Bling just starts playing, but like at normal volume. So Can you imagine the speakers screen. they probably have on the Death Star. That thing's banging. They probably throw sweet parties there. Can you imagine just like a wide shot of the Death Star, but then you just hear like a little tiny. Only if it's a Banjo Kazooie version. <laughs> Um, oh, yeah, that version's hot right now. So, if I remember right, I, that is Drake's plan. It's just, yep. he's on the, like, I know, I'll destroy everything on the planet and rebuild and I'll be in charge. Crazy megalomaniac uh, sort of stuff. 
I thought it was more of he's trying to hold the world at hostage at his nuclear arms, but... That was it. Yeah, no, you're right. That was it. I... Hmm. Plot details. <laughs> yeah. Irrelevant. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a fucking bad guy with a bunch of nukes in space. And like, that's actually a pretty cool sort of boss fight. Is It is a cool boss fight. You are on... It's a little wobbly to control because yeah. you don't really have a sense of like a base sense of self. So going with a new game mechanics theme that gets thrown at you throughout the game, like almost every level, including the last level, you're in his like secret underground launching base and you kill his henchmen and stuff. He, Drake, hops on a space shuttle, takes it up to his space station. You also take a space shuttle because like James Bond just knows how to fly a space shuttle, which is pretty cool. Um, And you get there, you you get in a suit. He does. Whoa! Um... And you bop out, and you've got to destroy the space station's nuclear, like, launch capabilities. Yep. Well, it's he- actually possibly the lamest way to take out a nuclear weapon in the world, which is essentially you, you have shoot to the destroy- red button next to it. No, you have to destroy the, the, um, what are they called? Like, couples? Couples? Cup holders? No, you gotta destroy holders. the nuclear missiles. Basically, cup holders. Ah, of course. Basically, they, they can't hold their 7 Eleven on the way to nuclear fire. The hinges holding the bombs in place. You have to destroy the hinges so that the bombs sort of float off into space. It seems to almost be a theme. You gotta destroy things that hold other things together. Yeah. Maybe it's symbolism. Probably Maybe. not. Probably not. But yeah, no, so they just kind of like drift away almost. Yeah, and actually some of them crash into the space station, which causes it to blow up. And then Drake comes out pissed with what is essentially the world's only infinite ammo rocket launcher. Yeah, he, he starts does. firing at you in space. Yeah, he, he pops out with a scorpion and just yeah. starts going to town on you with it. And it's not that fun. Also, you have a laser. You have literally probably the coolest gun I've ever seen in my entire life. I thought that it's called the Samurai, yeah. and it's a laser gun, and it's got a, it's got no ammo, and it's got like a overheat meter. It goes mm-hmm. up to a hundred, but you can do like an overcharge function where you just like hold it, and it fires like a really strong burst, and it is a hundred percent the best gun in the entire game. <laughs> that thing is pretty much the only reason that I could... It reminds me of the Spartan laser, but if the Spartan laser could fire bursts instead of just... It is, yeah, shots. it is kind of like the Spartan laser in a way, yeah. Um, so yeah, you end up smoking Drake and, uh, everything blows up and you hop a space shuttle back to Earth and you have sex with that Australian chick and the credits yeah. roll and bing, bang, boom, you got yourself, Crikey. you got yourself yeah. a great James Bond game. Yeah. Not before, uh, he says his classic lines. Oh yeah. No, every single like James Bond trope is in full force in the game. Yeah. So, uh, I I tried looking up the writers for this, but I never really found who they were. But like I was saying before, I didn't realize this wasn't based after a movie because it definitely has like the James Bond sort of feel to it. Oh yeah, uh, in the sense of plot, characters, sexual tension. Yeah, all of the above. domineering women. Yeah, uh, misogyny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, misogyny. Yeah, pretty the, pretty standard James things. Bond stuff. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't think it was written by anyone like involved with the making of James Bond movies or like Albert R. Broccoli Productions or anything. But it was clearly made. Obviously, it was licensed. Obviously, it's got Pierce Brosnan in it. The writers, I E A, yeah, the writers were clearly huge James Bond fans that just said, "Hey, we want to make an interactive James Bond game." 
that's fun to play and is, a, you know, a callback to the original James Bonds. And I think they nailed it. That game was the coolest damn thing to me when I was a kid, and it still is cool. Yeah. Probably one of the best James... No, it is the best James Bond game. And I know every single person will flip out and tell me that GoldenEye is the best game ever and blah, 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 blah. And that if I pulled it out and plugged it in, they'd play it right now. <laughs> Fuck you. No. James Bond Nightfire is the best game. Am I in a classroom with like... Oh, yeah, it's a board like meeting, like that stupid-ass commercial. Yeah, no. James Bond Nightfire, uh, I think, is the best James Bond game by what far. What if we told oh. you? What if we told you? We were making James Bond GoldenEye the Wii. Oh my god! It's no the best way. game ever! It's um, James Bond Nightfire holds up today. The multiplayer is still good. Yep, the multiplayer is definitely, like, when did this game come out? I honestly don't even know. If I had to guess, 2003. Three? Let's Google it right now. Um, So, the multiplayer is pretty much like any multiplayer. It's like, you know, an arena kind of deal, and... uh, they, uh, one of the cool thing is, though, is they have bots, AI bots, and you can have six, and you can completely customize how the bots act, how strong yep. they are, what they do. You can customize how fast they respawn. You can customize what type of way they'll play the game. And it's not super in-depth. I mean, it's like Vengeful. We'll go after the last player that they, um, that, that killed them. Um, I think Greedy will try and pick up all the different weapons. Like I think Assassin's like kill the weakest person. Assassin is kill the player with the weak, uh, with the lowest score. And similar to almost like Call of Duty Zombies, but years earlier, like you and your friend can just hop into like, and there's a bunch of different cool maps that are all taken from the main story. Yeah. Some of our, um, some of them are created. You just kind of hop in and like, play almost like survival like you play to a score and you play like you versus like six of these bots and like they're tough as nails you can you also, set them really um you can high. also customize like what weapons appear what weapons you start with yep you can have no weapons on the map there's different pistols and grenades there's a bunch of different ak's and grenades there's uh um, no, just pistols uh it came out in 2002 oh, that's nice. right um it came out on the Mac in 2004. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so that's dope. Cool. Um, Let me go download it right now. So, yeah, no, so the multiplayer is a lot of fun. It's got a bunch of different modes. You got your regular just deathmatch. You got team deathmatch. Um, there's King of the Hill. Um, there's a couple versions of your standard multiplayer games. There's, you know, like Conquest. There's uh, one called Intelligence or Incom or something like that. Both sides, you know, there's bases in most of the maps. There's, like, one clear side and one side and the other. Standard Call of Duty-esque, you know, level design. Um, And you've got, like, a a terminal that you try and defend yours, and you try and go and hack theirs, which I always had fun playing. Um, And there's also a mode that's just golden guns. All golden guns. And that is dope. And the golden gun, if those of you that aren't familiar, the golden gun is a one-shot kill, and it's wielded by Scaramanga in the man with the movie called The Man with a Golden Gun, uh, and that's Roger Moore, and I think that was 1973, I think. Um, so it's a one-shot kill, and it's fun to play with bots. It's not fun to play with really tough bots, because they're <laughs> they super accurate, shot, yeah. and they will drill you oh, from a quarter my mile. My favorite phrase that came Getting out of James this. Bonded, baby. Yeah, James you... Bonded. 
I still use that today. So yeah. James Bond's character, you can have him as a bot if you're on if you pick a character that's a bad My fa- guy. I think one thing to mention is how like obscenely one side of these character selections are. Oh yeah. Like the good guys have James Bond, Dominique, Alexa. Australian lady, James Bond in a space, a suit. space suit. Or a tuxedo. Don't forget tuxedo. Oh, okay. <laughs> Either or. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, then all the rest of the bad guys. Yeah, and you have, like, the standard bad guys. Ninja, Soldier. What is cool, they do have a bunch of throwback guys. Yeah, yeah. There's Skyramanga's in it. Um, Odd Job, he yeah. does have a hat, and yeah. that's dope. You kinda gotta learn how to throw it. It's yeah. got a bit of a curve to it. And it's um, a one-shot. It is a one-shot. Um, Nick Knack, who is infuriating to play against because he's half the size of character model. Um, but what's, what Burke and I used to joke about was, um, James Bond with like a sniper rifle. Oh, he would like just be running. I mean, full on running, like it, this, gun. It, it also depends how hard you set him. And this had to bend the hardest difficulty oh, yeah. or whatever. Gun pointed straight at the ground, accuracy on very high. And he just like running, running, running. You get within a thousand yards of him and he will shoot you directly between your eyes and you will die. And that's it. He's running one direction he switches direction. He just whips around like it's one. It picks you off and immediately goes back to running. That's the OG 360 no-scope. Oh yeah, James Bond was the originator of the 360 no-scope. That's for sure. Maybe um, like 180. But yeah, it was just funny to see him running and then to see him like insta-turn and shoot you in the face. Yeah, take you right down. Uh, Downtown like James Brown. Um, a lot of fun, a lot of fun with the yeah. multiplayer over and the, the years. controls like pretty good for, uh, it feels good. You move yeah. in a very non, you modern kind of way. It's, it's, I don't want to say stiff cause that kind of connotates negative, but it's like, it's like any like older first person shooter. Like the movement is very like jump move. It's crisp. Everything you do is unnatural and crisp, but you, you, it's almost like, um, Imagine playing Doom without the momentum, if that makes any sense. Like, you just move super fast and can stop on a dime and turn, and that's about... It's pretty much like everybody's LaShawn McCoy. Like, just move super fast, immediately stop, rotate, start going the other way. Like, without any slowdown, any, like, shift at all. Um, It definitely feels weird. Especially in comparison to today's more realistic feeling of movement. Do they still? Yeah, they still make James Bond games. Yeah, right? they but made they're a based co- off the movies, right? No, they're kind of. Um, no, I don't think there's any based Who off. Who makes the movies. them? Bioware. I don't know. They have a Renegade Paragon. Probably EA Games. There's Shaken one called James Bond Bloodstone, Paragon which was pretty Shaken. good. They also came Wait. out with a cool yeah. one. Um, that the the most recent ones obviously have Daniel Craig. Bloodstone was good. I like that one. Um, but they came out with Can one. Get a James Bond movie with Daniel Radcliffe. Oh, I wish. <laughs> so, what are your what are your what are your final thoughts on James Bond? Oh, I, thought, I, I mean, it's a fantastic game. I'm shocked it came out as early as it did. I mean, combats. I thought about this is better than the combat was in Mass Effect One. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, James from Bond like a, a real j- deal. just from like a fluidity standpoint, it's just way easier. A lot of good games came out that year, if I'm recalling correctly. 2002 was a good year, did you say? No, correctly. If I I recall incorrectly. I'm not thinking at all. No, I'm pretty sure Wind Waker came out that year. Yeah, it did. I'm pretty sure Metroid Prime came out that year. Pull it up. 
Um, oh, it's over there. I'm at, oh, no, it's over there. Oh, it's oh, the One of the bigger Grand Theft Autos came out that year. San Andreas. I want to say it was Vice, I think. Or Vice City. That's Yeah, that's what I meant. It was Vice City. Oh, Probably some other good ones, too. Mario Sunshine came out in 2002. Damn, that was a good year for games. Holy shit. I'm only remembering the Nintendo ones, unfortunately. Still. I'm pretty sure, actually, I think Jedi Academy 2 came out that year. Oh my god, I fucking love that game. Yeah, that game is dope. I love it. Yeah, that's probably some other ones. It's a good year. Indeed it was. Good year. Samus Aaron. That's her. Remains one of the highest rated games on Metacritic. Metroid Prime. Yep. It's a damn good game. Yeah. So, if you like what you heard here... You can go play Metroid Prime 2. You can go play Metroid Prime 2. Or, you can check us out on Twitter, at guys Or just do games. both. can see what Will tweeted about me. I did. Behind I... my back. <laughs> I, I in front of you. Yeah. And, whoa, why are you just, <laughs> no, just saying, saying it was me? It could have been any of us. Because We all have you. access to the Twitter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't think Yeager remembers the password, since he has to ask it every time he goes on. I have access to the Twitter. It was me, I admit it. Yeah. So yeah, you can follow us, guys, at guys AT Games. Uh, you can check out our Facebook. Facebook. Guys and their games. Email is three as in the digit, guys and their games, at gmail.com. Shoot us an email. Tell us what you would like to see us play. You can find us on iTunes, guys and their games. You can find us on SoundCloud, guys and their games. We actually get a bit of stuff there. Traffic? Views? Uh, Likes, listens, comments, a couple of those things. Always good. Um, It's pretty much the one of the only ways we can see if people are viewing us. Because I don't think iTunes... They have like a popularity slider. Yeah, but it doesn't actually have like a... Oh, I didn't know about that. And then Jeff commented, I think. (laughs) Shout out to Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Jay Dudes. Jay Dudes, keeping it real. Uh... Besides that, you can catch us on Mitomo. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um, email us, uh, tell us your favorite Drake moments. <laughs> favorite Drake favorite songs. songs. Yeah. yeah, who cares? I don't know. There's I love Photoshop Drake. art Drake that, on the Death Star. We have our YouTube. Got some videos up there. Yeah, while you're watching Drake videos, you could just like open a new tab and see us on YouTube. Check us out on YouTube. Yeah. Besides that, I think we are good. See you next time, everybody. See you next time. We'll talk about E3 stuff. E3! Well, it's gonna be dope. Yeah, Will, you hear about the new Pokemon? I did hear. 
you hear about, about you hear about Rotom decks, my boy. Yeah, dude, my homie. In your fucking Pokedex. Yeah, so they literally That's were like, yeah, there's a ghost that takes over your Pokedex, and you can now use QR codes oh. to scan Pokemon into your game. And someone was like, like a direct response. To yeah, Kai watch. Yeah, someone was like, yo, we Yokai watch now. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, it's such a yokai watch thing. <laughs> in yokai watch, funny. there's literally a ghost companion. That you have. <laughs> all right, uh, all but, right. But the idea is that yeah. Rotom takes over your your Pokedex and pretty much talks to you through it. 